today, my friend, we're not going to talk about change. We're going to talk about getting stuck. When you're stuck on the plateau. The dreaded plateau. You are riding the plateau and there's no avoiding it. No path to excellence doesn't include the dreaded plateau. Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Brad Stolberg. Brad, what's up, man? Hey, Steve. It's good to be talking to you. I'm doing pretty well. I am uh, heading out tomorrow on a road trip to record some podcasts in person, ones with videos. The reason that I'm doing that is because um, we've got a new book coming out, September 5th, Master of Change. Really stoked about it. Um, it's got my name on it, but Steve played a big part in helping think through all the ideas. And um, if you haven't yet checked it out, you should. We've featured in our newsletter, but maybe some of you don't listen to our newsletter. You should also subscribe to our newsletter. But um, yeah, Master of Change, How to Excel When Everything is Changing, Including You, comes out September 5th. Great pre-order bonuses. We'll include those in the show notes. So grab a copy. It'll be available hardcover, Kindle, audio, however you consume your books. Get it. That's my recommendation. If you're listening to this podcast, you will, I'm going to give the Steve 100% guarantee, you will take something meaningful from this book. It is a game changer on looking at change. So, and you know what? We all change. So there you go. Check it out. And if you want, tell others that it's available. They should get it. Any press is good. So there you go. Brad's got the new book coming out. We're stoked. You'll hear more about it with some special features coming up in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned and keep listening for those. But today, my friend, we're not going to talk about change. We're going to talk about getting stuck. When you're stuck on the plateau. The dreaded plateau. The you've made so much improvement in your ability to run at tempo and your marathon pace has dropped to 640 and you can't get it to 630. You hit that 500 pound deadlift, but my God, does 505 pounds feel heavy four months later. You've been rising in your career from one promotion to the next, you're the assistant chair of the department, you're the chair, now you're the chair of the chiefs, and uh-oh, it's been a decade and no movement, what's next? You've been working on that book, you're cranking out chapters, and one day you wake up and the writing stops. You think it's nothing, but you wake up the next day and the writing still stops. You are riding the plateau, and there's no avoiding it. No path to excellence doesn't include the dreaded plateau. You know, it's, it's very true. And I think it, to, to frame things, we often have this idea of growth as this kind of linear rise where we just get a little bit better every day, every week, every month. Or, you know, 
the other view is we apply the stress and then we get a little worse, but then we adapt and we get better. But missing on those contexts are often the, the, the period, the plateau where you're still putting in the work, you're still doing the things that you need to, but like progress is just not there. You're just stuck. And it can be maddening and frustrating. And I think there's a couple different ways to handle sitting on the plateau. And there is no one solution, but what we're going to try and give today is a couple different ways to look at it. Um, and I classify these as, I, I'm not, you know, we haven't talked about this in this context, but I, I, I think you can generally classify as what you should do in a couple different buckets. And one I would call the patience, meaning you're on the plateau and you just got to ride it. Like, stop fighting it, just ride it and wait and be patient. The other, I think, is what I would call is the, you got to change your perspective or try something different. Meaning you're riding the plateau, you're sitting there, maybe you've tried patience, but nothing is budging and you've got to shift yourself out of this kind of rut and find a new path or find a new stimulus for uh, for adaptation. And I think those are the kind of, the kind of, we could, you know, get some nuance around sometimes change means, you know, or trying something different means changing directions or what have you. But I really think it's figuring out, do we sit with it or do we shift and try and change our perspective? All right. So here we go. I am going to bring in, um, well, it's not an analogy. I would argue that it is the ultimate thorny plateau, and I'm going to use it as a model for all plateaus. So let's talk a little bit about being in a rut slash depression. We are talking a little about this offline, Steve, before we started. So one way that neuroscientists classify depression is your brain just kind of gets stuck. There's a rigidity Grooves get really well-worn, and it's hard to get out of it. Now, if any time you feel stuck, you feel down, your mood's really crappy, after a day or two, if you completely freak out and try so hard to fix it and judge it as something is wrong with you, and oh my gosh, I'm going to fall into a terrible depression, or I'm going to feel like this forever, or how am I going to get anything done, you tend to make the situation worse because you are trying to fix something that just has to run its course. You just have to keep showing up and doing what you're doing, especially if what you're doing makes sense. Now, if you've been out on benders or you've completely gone off your routine and messed up your habits, then yeah, you want to switch back. But assuming that you're doing everything kind of as you have been and you've been doing well and you feel down, one of the worst things that you can do is freak out and try to fix something instead of just ride it out. Sometimes that takes two days. Sometimes that takes a week. Now, however, if you ride it out and it's been a week or maybe two or maybe a month and you're still feeling stuck or if it's getting worse, well, then maybe you do want to shift. Maybe you want to look at your habits and your routines and what you've been doing and maybe you want to try to make some changes. So are you spending too much time on social media? Maybe you want to spend a little bit less. Who are the people that you've been having in your life and talking to? What books have you been reading? What television shows have you been watching? Have you been taking work home with you? Great. Make those shifts. Two months later, you're still feeling like crap. Maybe it's gotten worse. 
all right, let's make a more dramatic shift. Let's go talk to a therapist or let's talk to my physician. Maybe I need to try a course of evidence-based therapy. Maybe I need to try an SSRI. Eight months, a year later, you're still stuck. Maybe I need to try psychedelics. Maybe I need something that's going to completely shift my perspective. And I think that that framework, well, the time scale is going to be different if you're on a running plateau or a writing plateau or a career plateau, really applies. It's like, as you said, don't freak out. Be patient. Most things take care of themselves. If your training is good, just keep training. But eventually, there's that old saying, like the definition of crazy is doing something that's not working over and over again. If you keep training the way you've been training and you're at a point where you're supposed to make gains or things are supposed to shift and they're not, it might be time to change your training. And as that period of being stuck gets longer and longer, you have to go with more and more blunt force options to shake yourself out of it. So perhaps in a running or a weightlifting sense, it's very similar. You just stick to the training. I think, you know, with something like depression, you want to be uh, probably a little bit more aggressive because you don't want those grooves to get too deep because they can get really nasty. But maybe you're stuck in training for four or six months and you're not seeing improvements you thought you would, maybe even eight months if you're an elite athlete. But if you're still not, then yeah, it might make sense to tweak your training a little bit. And if you make those tweaks and you're still stuck, maybe it's like a psychological thing. And maybe you need to go do a, a, a Steve, uh, go see God, copyright TM workout. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it applies. And and I was thinking about this the other day and actually talking some, to some, um, some athletes that I work with or formerly worked with. And it really gets at this, which is often in running, you hit what I call the summer plateau. Because in the summer for high school, college, other athletes, what often happens is for runners is, what is it? It's like, you're just putting in the miles. You're building a base. You're not doing anything too crazy because it's hot and humid. And you're just preparing for cross-country season or road racing season. So it's kind of monotonous. And what often happens is people at some point in the summer just feel stuck. Your pace stops coming down. The runs feel sometimes a little bit harder, like the weather wears on you and you start feeling miserable and miserable and miserable. And inevitably, for the most part in the summer, that summer plateau, you just have to be patient. Like you have to let the adapt the accumulated adaptation catch up. Meaning the way I kind of call it is is at some point you're just gonna get feel kind of just have to go through the motions, get in the runs no matter what. And then one day your body's going to catch up and magically you're going to feel good and start running faster again. Often it comes in with as the weather gets a little bit better, right? So you don't have to do anything. You just have to be patient. But in other senses, what happens is you get stuck on that plot plateau, as you said, Brad, and you know, you got to change your, your workouts. You might have to add in some tempo runs or go harder on some interval runs or like change your training volume and come down a little bit and add some intensity. You change things so that you shift that adaptation so that your body says, Oh, let's snap out of this rut. We've got to adapt in a positive manner. And as you said, sometimes over the time, if you get really stuck and you haven't improved, you got to you got to do the see God workout, which essentially I like to I like to call it the if normally your workouts are a six or seven out of ten, go do something a, a nine or a ten out of ten, where it's like your sole goal is to put yourself 
you know, dig yourself the biggest hole you can, because often that shifts you out of the, that, that kind of perspective rut and makes you realize and your body realize like, oh crap, we were capable of more or I can handle more or whatever have you and it disrupts it. And I think that same idea holds true. And part of the plateau is understanding, you know, is this the state, is what path do I take? And I think if we zoom out and we say, okay, we gave an example from depression, if we gave an example from athletics, I think this applies to everything. So let's look at our writing. You know, if you feel stuck on a, on a book, what do you do? Well, at first, you just kind of sit with it. You say, hey, I'm going to show up tomorrow. I'm going to show up tomorrow, the next day, see if it comes. And if it doesn't come, what do you do? You try small. Wait, wait, let me interject real quick because I, sure. as you go, I think let's like also call out common missteps or traps here. Because sure. the common trap here is you've been stuck for two days and you think that you need to rent a cabin in the woods and leave your family <laughs> for a month to go on a writing retreat after two days of being stuck. And people do this. And then you get to the cabin and now you put all this pressure on yourself to suddenly need to write. And it has nothing to do with the setting. Your brain's just stuck. It's going to be stuck whether you're in a beautiful cabin in the woods or whether you're at home with screaming kids. So trap number one after that period is trying to make a big change too soon. Or you say, oh my God, I have depression. You start therapy, you start taking meds, you pressure your doctor into prescribing meds, and now you're like going down a self-fulfilling prophecy and path. Or in running, you like freak out and you're the perpetual workout changer, coach switcher, God willing, like not, but people go to message boards online. So this is the early freak out. So that's the, the first trap is the early freak out. All right, continue. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you called that out. And I, I think, you know, the thing to do is, again, this is where this patience and acceptance comes in is like small changes first, right? If patient acceptance doesn't work, like writing it out, sitting on it doesn't work, like small changes. And writing, what does that mean? It means institute more breaks. It could make take a walk, right? Use walks or other other creative sparks where you get away from the thing, but kind of your subconscious is still kind of wrestling with the thing, with the thing it's, it, itself. It means giving yourself small moments to step away. So instead of sitting down every day, you say, you know what, Brad, I'm not going to think about it this, this weekend. Or you can shift against going in small steps. You can shift slightly and say, you know what, I've been working on this book I'm going to go write something that I enjoy that comes naturally. Maybe it's a, you know, a blog post on something else or a newsletter that you really kind of, you know, a topic really sparked your interest and you're just going to start writing on that and forget about this over, over here. Often those small things, what they do is they just kind of disrupt you the pattern just enough to kind of free you up. That's right. So then you do that and 70% of times it resolves and you're fine. But the 30% of times that it doesn't resolve and you're still kind of stuck. So now it's been a couple of weeks or maybe a month for writing. In the case of mental health, maybe it's been two weeks. That's what a lot of the, um, the diagnostic manuals use as a, as a time period. Um, for training, I don't know, maybe it's been four months. Again, depends on how good you are, right? If you're a newbie, you should get better fast. If you've been training at an elite level for a long time, it could be four months, it could be six months. But whatever it is, like you're at the point where you wanted to see some improvement and you haven't. I think the next step is then to ratchet up the degree of changes. So if it is a writing stuckness issue, 
maybe you need to move to a completely different chapter or part of the book. Maybe you need to reconsider, hey, is the problem that I'm stuck or is the problem that the direction I thought I was taking the book turns out to be the wrong direction and I actually need to go back to the drawing board and do some rewriting or some re-outlining this book? In training, maybe it's, hey, I actually need to like take two weeks away from the barbell completely or I'm not going to do a track workout for the next three weeks or I'm going to run without my watch. Um, in mental health, it is, again, on a tighter time scale, it's all right, like it's time to talk to a therapist. Um, this isn't something that's transient or this is getting more intense quickly. So next level is kind of shifting from this is a normal plateau to this is an abnormal plateau in diagnosing it as such. You know, it reminds me of a story we told in Peak Performance, which is on, uh, which was on Roger Bannister, the world's first sub four minute miler. Who, again, if you look at his career and his trajectory up until that point, what happened? He ran four hundred two, four hundred three. His performance in practice was coming down so much that it showed that, like, hey, you have a shot. But in races, he kept getting stuck. So what did he do? Like, eventually. You know, he and his friends and his coach, like they said, go into the mountains and hike, (laughs) like take time off from training, go spend time in the mountains, what have you. What happened? He comes back from that trip a couple weeks later, has the breakthrough that that he's needed. Again, sometimes you need that, that full step away, which takes courage to do, because I think in the modern context, some of us would say if our coach said, hey, you're in the middle of the season, you're in the middle of chasing this barrier that, you know, to be the first in history that not only you are after, but an American is after West Santee, you know, John Landy down in Oceania, Australia is after it as well. Like insecurity could drive us to say, no, 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 no. We need pressure. Keep pressing, keep racing, keep training, et cetera. But it took that, that kind of security to be like, no, like step back and then we'll come back at it again. And I think, talking about how things get in our way. Often it's those insecurities, those what ifs that prevent us from taking this, like the bigger step to see the therapist, to try SSRIs, to take literally, um, and I've done this with books, a month off from writing the book and go read like some other work that isn't related to kind of re-energize your creative self. Like those are the kinds of big changes that often are needed when you're you're truly stuck on that plateau for a while. So then you stick with those big changes for another six months. Again, mental health, it's a much more compressed timeline. For training, it might even be a longer timeline. And then you're still stuck. So training, now you've been stuck for a year and a half. Book writing, you've been stuck for a year. Mental health, you've been stuck for six months. Want to be clear. Probably 95 to 99% of people don't make it this far without getting off the plateau and improving, assume that they've kind of followed the path that we're outlining. But for the 5 to 1% who are still stuck, I think this is where you then consider more of like the nuclear option. So for an athlete, it might be a new coach and a new training program. And I don't want to get elites mad. If you're world-class, this might require like four years of being stuck. Right. Because again, like it takes a lot more to make progress. Um, If you're writing, this might mean you can't make any progress on your book for a year. It might be a conversation with your agent of like, am I writing the wrong book right now? 
what do we do about this? Is there a way to talk to our publisher about shifting the idea? Can I get an extension? Do I need to completely step away from this for an extended period of time? Um, and then in mental health, it's, hey, maybe I need to try a different approach. So if I've been doing the third wave evidence-based therapies and I feel like I have like really recalcitrant depression, maybe I should consider enrolling in a psychedelic study. Um, I think the trap here is, again, people go to the extreme too soon. And that's kind of the trap all along the way. But it's important to be mindful that it's equally as dangerous to just sit in what you're doing. And I think this gets at like an ultimate tension of life in being an adult, which is that we have to accept problems and not try to fix them while at the same time try to fix them. Because like if you try to overfix something, it just gets more stuck. But saying to hell with it and just like accepting shitty situations is also not good. So it's like, how can you practice the right amount of acceptance and patience, but not too much? And I think that's really hard. Um, again, I think the common trap is for people not to be accepting or patient enough, but some people get into the opposite end of the spectrum where they just kind of like give in and this is how it'll always be when that also doesn't need to be the case. So unfortunately, there's no wearable that you can put on your wrist or your finger that tells you when it's time to stop accepting and start problem solving. Um, but I think part of like mature adulthood is living in that tension between acceptance and problem solving. I love that. I think you're spot on. And I think you nailed that, Brad. I mean, that was a, a nice piece of insight there. I might have to borrow that. Um, but but what you're getting at is like being a complex, like human. And I think yeah. far, far too often what we do in these situations where we feel stuck, where maybe the stress or pressure is getting getting to us, is we narrow, constrict, and kind of like confi- confine us to this this artificial world where it's like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to get better. If I do this, I'm going to get, get out of this. And that's just not reality. Like reality is, is, is wrestling with that kind of middle path of like these two opposing forces that we both have to have at the same time, that tension of acceptance while wanting growth. (laughs) And like, the, it's like, I've used this analogy quite often, quite a few times, but it's like, the sprinter sprinting like you need to produce maximum force and power but if you try to produce maximum force and power you're not going to be able to because you're going to tense up so how do you relax to getting out of your own way while still putting you know as much force into the ground as you can this is why for sprinters the advice is often don't run at 100%. Give me 95% effort and you'll run faster. And I think a lot of that applies to this idea of being on the plateau as well Is the longer we're on it, the more frustration goes, the more we tend to freak out, the more we tend to spiral. And the solution is often thought of to like tense up, try harder, et cetera. But the reality is we need to sit on that 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 discord between acceptance and trying and find the middle ground. The only thing that I'll add before we wrap up, Steve, is um, something that is explored in great detail in Master of Change. So this wasn't planned, but it, it fits into this conversation nicely, which is when we're stuck on the plateau, our perception of time gets all messed up. So time slows down when we're stuck. Like our actual experience of time slows down when we're stuck. So 
Knowing this and recognizing it is really important because it helps you remember that even though it feels like forever right now, when you look back on this a year from now, five years from now, a decade from now, 20 years from now, it won't feel like it's nearly as all-encompassing. And I go into the science in great detail in the book, but I'll just do it hardly justice, but I'll be really brief here because I think it's fascinating. And this goes back to how we evolved. So this is out of evolutionary biology, which is when we feel like we're under threat or we're stuck or something is wrong, we start to see the world frame by frame because we don't want to miss anything. We're constantly on the lookout for something that's going to help us or something that's going to make us feel better. So instead of seeing a continuous movie of our life, we see it frame by frame. And it's slow and it's tedious and it's boring in one hour feels like a day, and a day feels like a month, and a month feels like a year. But when things are going well, we see the movie continuously. And once we get to the other side of plateaus, our brains integrate those experiences into the broader movie. So we look back on it, and we say like, yeah, that was a rough period, but yeah, you know, it was only a couple months. It was only a year. Life is long. It was only two years. Life is long. But when you're in the thick of it, it feels like forever. And I think this is such an important thing to know because it's a great like comforting piece of solace, which is just to remind yourself that yes, this feels like forever, but it won't always. And that helps us have the fortitude to stay patient when we're stuck. I think that's a a great piece of advice. And I love that section in your book because it's something that is often overlooked, but uh, vital and important. And I think about this all the time when I look at the, the hard hard portions of of my life where I did difficult things is in it, man, they felt so slow. But one year from now you're gonna look back and you're gonna be like, in yeah, this is the problem. Hillary's gonna look back like three months from now and be like, ah, infanthood wasn't that bad. That's when you know you're screwed. <laughs> there you go. Wise words of wisdom from from Brad. So not only do you get Wisdom on how to get over the plateau. You get wisdom on um, why we put ourselves through uh, parenthood after lacking sleep and driving ourselves nuts for a while. All right, Steve. Well, I'm glad that you had enough rest to do this podcast today. Uh, Listeners, we appreciate you. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share it with your friends, your colleagues, your family, your community. The more people that are wrestling with these topics, uh, we strongly believe the better for all of us. And uh, with that, we'll catch you next Wednesday. Wednesday.